Hi everyone, welcome back to Blue and Gold, a Superman and Booster Gold podcast. Superman and Booster Gold podcast, you say? How can that be? How can they go together? They don't. There's no reason why there should be a podcast that exists that has those two together. Well, you'd probably be right in general, except that I am a huge Superman fan. Oh, I didn't in- introduce myself. My name's Danny Nielsen, and... I am the host, the sole host of this podcast, and if you're wondering, why is there a podcast about Superman and Booster Gold? Well, you're probably not alone, but I just, it comes down to, I just couldn't decide. I I wanted to do a podcast about both. I am a huge Superman fan. Superman is, as Lobo would say, or not Lobo, as, as Bibbo would say, Superman's my main man. Um, always been a huge Superman fan. And I have, since 52, I've gotten into Booster Gold. I've really gotten into Booster Gold. Um, So I wanted to do a podcast, and I couldn't decide which, so here we are. We have Blue and Gold, and I'm sure a lot of people hear Blue and Gold in, in association with Booster and think Blue Beetle, but nope, you get the big blue boy scout himself, Superman. And this podcast, in this podcast, this I go through, and each and every episode, I pick a random Superman topic that I want to discuss and talk about that, and I also am work my way up through Booster Gold's history, starting with Volume 1, Issue 1, and I'm going to be working my way all the way up through, all the way up through current times, which will take a long time if I do one issue at a time. But this episode... I'm going to be discussing for the Superman portion the 1971 Sandman saga. No, Neil Gaiman had nothing to do with this. It was all Denny O'Neill, Dennis O'Neill, and Julius Schwartz. So I had never a little history with this storyline. I had I don't remember where I first became aware of that there was a a sand superman but i do remember when i first i i do remember that when i was really little i i don't remember exactly how old but when i was little i got some comics from my grandma she picked them up at a yard sale my my grandma's a big garage sailor yard sailor sailor she she's out in the open seas but um so yeah i, I got i i got um, a bunch of comics from her. She picked them up at a yard sale, and in that set was Superman number two thirty-eight. And when when I was a kid, I've never really been one to really pay attention to the to the issue numbers. I've gotten a lot better about that. Well, I don't know if it's be- if it's better or 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 what, but I've gotten more cognizant of 
issue numbers as they've gotten older. You you have to buy them. You have to keep track of which issues you have and whatnot. But when I was a, as a kid, I didn't care at all about issue numbers. But I remember I got this cool issue. I got this cool cover where Superman seems to be in peril. He's standing in front of what looks like a, a duplicate of himself made out of sand and pleading. And that's the cover of Superman 238. Now, I'm sure I read that issue when I got it. but you know, And I've had it ever since. As long as I can remember, I've had this issue. But you know what? I can't remember reading it. Not for the life of me, do I actually... I thought I had read it. Then I actually sat down to read the whole Sandman saga for this episode. Because that's another one of my goals for this podcast, is to read and experience and watch and view um, a lot of the Superman mythos that I'm less familiar with. So that'll be a lot of Bronze Age and Silver Age and Golden Age material, because I'm a lot more... Um, I'm, I'm a lot more um, up to date on what's happened since post-crisis Superman. That's been part of my awareness ever since I've been a Superman fan. And so that's why I wanted to, I want to challenge myself with this podcast to go through and become a better, super, a more aware Superman fan. I'm already uh, a lister Superman fan. I would put myself in the elite of the Superman fans. Those of you out there, I join your ranks. I'm part of your ranks. You know who we are. But because of a, a, a hero with a rich history, such a history, 75 years, actually. We're starting our 76th year. Now there's so much history there. It's it's hard to get caught up on, all the, on, on everything. But that's my goal is to... Along with talking about, there'll be episodes where I want to, where I talk about anything I, where where I talk about Superman the movie, my love of Superman the movie, or post crisis storylines. But I'm gonna sprinkle in. I'm gonna make sure to challenge myself and sprinkle in and and go back and read these seminal issues from yesterday, from yesteryear, as they might say. So I knew that about this Sandman saga. I know that there was a Sandman saga. I even had this issue that had been in my collection that I can't remember reading, but it's always been there. Superman 238. So, actually, I think I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Let's back up a minute. So here, I think I mentioned this in issue or episode one. I live in Michigan, Brighton, Michigan to be exact, for those of you who might be in the area. And right around the corner, Novi, Michigan, is where they where they hold the Motor City Comic Con, the comic convention, the local comic convention that goes on here once a year. Not as big as it's bigger than a little hotel convention, um, but not as big as a clearly not as big as San Diego, and not not it's a step down even from a New York or a C two E two. But Motor City holds its own. So last Motor City, so Motor City Comic Con 2012, you know, I'm going through the back issues and I wanted to find Superman. I, I didn't know what issue it was. Now I know it's Superman 233. But I wanted to find that famous Neil Adams image of Superman breaking the chains. I knew that there was something special about that issue, even though I didn't know what the storyline was. 
but I knew that that was just a cover that was an issue that I wanted to have and I thought it would cost me a decent amount a decent amount for it but I found it and picked it up towards the end of the day there on the Saturday I went picked it up for about eight dollars which I thought was decent and brought it home along with another huge deck of comics I got and I sat down to read it went in the backyard sitting on uh, the chase lounge starting to read the issue and lo and behold do I learn just how important this issue is of course of, of course this issue has the awesome Neil Adams cover Superman breaking the chains an iconic or an an iconic image and breaking the kryptonite chains it's got a giant number one on it it could fake you out make you it's i think marketing wise it's supposed to fake you out make you feel like it's a number one um even though it's not but it's a it's a dawn of a new era but i didn't know this i just knew that it was a freaking awesome cover that i wanted and so i was sitting down to read and so many things i this issue is a seminal work because it's the issue where number one clark becomes a tv news anchor what clark kent news anchor television yeah it happened it's a it's a part of his history the bronze age the the superman clark kent was assigned by the the daily planet and this all happens in this in issue 233 the first issue of the sandman story arc but also it's the dawn of the bronze age superman and in this issue it opens actually let, let's recap the issue because it opens with um a scientist trying to create a in create energy create an energy using kryptonite and Superman isn't too happy about it, but he thinks, well, if it works, it works. If it works, it could it it could be a good source of energy. It could be a good source of energy for the world. And of course, this goes wrong, and there's a chain reaction, giant explosion, and Superman gets thrown to the ground by this giant explosion. He shields himself with a giant lead she- with a giant lead shield, and this accomplishes two things. It effectively turns all of the kryptonite on earth to iron and it it uh, it plays its hand in the creation of the sand superman so there's there's a couple ways to discuss this this issue one is what happens to superman due to the story but two is what happened to superman because of ed- editorial mandates and this is when longtime Superman editor Mort Weisinger retired and his fellow pal and seminal comic writer or comic editor Julie Schwartz comes on as editor and he brings Denny O'Neill of Batman fame and they want to sort of have a new start for Superman. They want this to be sort of a dawn of a new era and they want Superman and and they want to do a few things they they had the idea that there was too much kryptonite going on it was too too much kryptonite too much of an, an achilles heel 
and Superman had gotten too powerful. They wanted to ground him, bring him to the ground, and also modernize him. So what do they decide to do story-wise? They decide to get rid of all the kryptonite, and they decide to depower Superman, and they decide to update him by making him a TV news anchor. Seems logical. Seems logical. So, and this is this is the start of the Bronze Age for Superman. And so in, in the story, we learn that the Daily Planet has been bought by Galaxy Broadcasting, GBS Communications, and Morgan Edge is the person in charge of the, um, the Daily Planet writing staff, and he assigns Clark to be a, a, a TV reporter. In this issue, he actually is an on the in the field reporter. He goes out and covers a rocket launching. Um, but it only takes an issue or two for him to actually be behind a news desk doing a nightly news. It seems weird thinking about Clark Kent being a nightly news anchor. But the further we move away from print media, it actually makes sense that he has some role in the media other than print media because it's it's dying out. I mean, I've thought about this too, is that it's kind of weird, it's kind of archaic that Clark still, they still are in the newspaper business. However, comics have a difficult time moving away from the status quo, even as history changes around them. But, and even now in the New 52, it's a little bit closer to what the real Clark would probably be like. He'd probably be either, one of two things, I think, if Clark were real, quote-unquote real, he'd either be a blogger for some kind of a site, because he'd be, he just, he'd be a, a writer writing for a website, which is what's going on in the New 52, or he'd probably be some sort of an anchor, some sort of a, a a news journalist, a Anderson Cooper type, uh, who's a, a CNN correspondent or a foreign correspondent even. I think that's what makes sense. Foreign correspondent, somebody who's out in the hard, in, out overseas potentially in the hard hitting news areas is where I most likely will see, would see a Clark Kent, but definitely not working for a newspaper that's really getting outdated. I'm 28, and I can't tell you the last time I actually picked up a newspaper to read it. But Julie Schwartz and Denny O'Neill, they were kind of on the cutting edge, at least. But I can only imagine the outcry of people who did not like this change, because comic fans were a finicky bunch. We don't really like change that much, but I think it works really well. I, th I think the idea of Clark being a news reporter works really, really well. So we learn in this issue, as I've mentioned, that all the kryptonites turn to iron, and there's a pretty humorous scene, actually, when Clark is out covering the rocket launch that I mentioned, um, the rocket's going to be the sabotaged by a group of people, and one of the terrorists tries to he tells superman his entire plan and he says it was not a i don't it's not a problem telling you because you're going to be dead in a few minutes and he brings out a piece of kryptonite and superman looks at it and laughs at him grabs it 
takes a chunk to eats eats a chunk out of it tells him how, how good it how good it is and the, of course the crook is shocked that superman here he is eating this kryptonite and then that i have to admit that that is kind of a funny scene seeing superman eat kryptonite eat a piece of eat a piece of iron kryptonite it's funny it it's it's kind of humorous to see superman just taking a bite out of a rock it's i don't know you wouldn't really see that in live action it looks it looks a little comedic in the comic i think but it works it's fine and so of course the rocket gets um uh launched and there's a jet that's trying to sabotage it as well so superman's traveling after the jet and he tries to stop the two the two terrorists who want to intercept the jet and he um he dis he he takes care of him but not before he realizes that his heat vision his heat vision is going wonky it's not working really well and so then he um he says, well, that was weird, you know, or essentially he says that was weird. I'll have to hopefully figure out why that happened later on and hopefully it doesn't happen again. And then as the as the the literary or comic camera kind of pans on the last page, you see the spot where the explosion at the beginning of the, of the issue that caused all the kryptonite to turn to iron you see the outline of where superman had hit the ground and slowly a creature of, of, of the sand starts taking form and it rises and walks away and that's the end of the issue well there is the world of krypton backups but those backups that go throughout this arc if you're actually reading these single issues they're not that good i might i have some notes i might touch on them but in general they're not that good i don't i think they're very very cheesy um there's there's one i think it was from oh i actually didn't mention the issues that this that the sandman saga covers it covers issues superman volume one issues 233 through 235 237 through 238 240 and 242 yes there is a break there issues 236 and 239 don't aren't part of the storyline 236 is sort of a it's it's written by Danny O'Neill but it's sort of a, a break for a minute from the Sandman saga and in my opinion it's a horrible issue it's got these angels who aren't angels and these demons who aren't demons and you know, you learn that not everybody's who you think they are. It's I I read the issue, and it's it's not good. So I I, I don't want to talk about it that much that much more. But issue two thirty nine is a is sort of a a um a it's an eighty page giant I think is what it was, and it's got a bunch of it's a collection of stories, and it's got the appearance of Titano. So I didn't get a chance to read this issue, but I do want to go back because it's got a couple of um, looks like a couple of good stories in there. As I mentioned, the the first appearance of Titano, um, which I'm mostly familiar from the Superman the Animated Series episode with Titano. So those those issues are what cover are are collectively called the Sandman Saga, and this first issue is 
part of that saga, but it's 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 definitely by far, bar none, the best issue in this arc, without a doubt. It's seminal, in my opinion. This is a seminal piece of Superman's history right here. Everything that happens, everything, Clark, just the status quo change, the the end that ending what a great ending it's such an ominous ending this creature this sand creature the art is looks really good oh i i have to mention the art all the interior art is done by um kurt swan um kurt swan doing doing the art and this sand this creature the sand creature that gets up and walks away it just really makes you want to come back for more you want to know who this thing is and what's going to happen. And so, as I mentioned, I first read this sitting on the Chase Lounge in my backyard after the Morrisator Comic Con, and my mind was blown. I wanted this awesome... I, I initially just wanted this issue because of its awesome cover. The iconic cover, you've seen it before, even if you don't realize you've seen this cover to Superman 233. But then I read it and just had my, my mind just went... Boom. So this is where it happens. I had no idea that this is where the Sandman Su Superman starts, the Sandman Superman saga starts. I didn't know that. I didn't know that this is the issue where Clark Kent becomes a TV news reporter. So I hit the jackpot reading this issue. It was awesome to not know that those things, that those um, aspects were in this, were in this issue. And, and so it got me really jazzed to read the the rest of the Sandman saga and months went by I had a I had a child so big things I had my first child big things happen in life so I actually didn't get to reading the rest of the saga until just now for this episode and I I reread issue 233 as well and I gotta say the the series, this the you the high point is the first issue for sure it's i wouldn't say it's not all downhill but well it is all downhill not linearly i it isn't a linear where each issue just gets worse just they're all just kind of meh meh after this oh the other thing i forgot to mention too is the on the covers of these issues um the top the new adventures of superman is what it says at the top the amazing new adventures of superman so it's it it really is they really designed it to be a really good jumping off point um and the other the cover also says kryptonite nevermore and so you know something's up with kryptonite and you see superman breaking out of the kryptonite chain so just an awesome awesome issue so then moving on you think, okay, yeah, I'm jazzed. I, I just read this awesome issue. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on in the Sandman saga. And then then you move on and you read issue 234 and you're like, what? They talked about the sand. Let's just say until you get to about issue 240. So issues 233 or 234, 235, 237, 238. The sand, this isn't a Sandman saga per se. It's, it's a little in in today's comics or even in the the john byrne era 
what what was here called the Sandman saga in the John Byrne era or just modern comics, it would just be seed planting. It would be the B, the BC plot. You're you're planting the seeds for a future storyline, and I guess you could say the future storyline was actually came at the end of the storyline issues 240 241 and 242 where it kind of really ramped up but for those first few issues the sandman's superman barely has anything to do with it superman is doing various things and he realizes that his he he his powers aren't at the level that they should be and he doesn't quite know why and then he will he'll he'll fly around and he'll happen to see this what he calls the thing i see oh the things over there and it's the sandman superman and he just keeps calling it the thing and he doesn't realize he doesn't make any comment that it sort of resembles him at all you don't notice that it has a cape and sort of looks like you even though it doesn't have any it's just made of sand it kind of looks like you you don't take note of that and he doesn't bother to try to investigate it he just flies away and doesn't even try to do anything for instance issue 234 i'm going to kind of just breeze through these next few issues because there isn't much to talk about in terms of sandman saga but in the in issue 234 he's got to deal with a volcano that's threatening a town and or threatening a tribal uh, tribal town and um, I forget which it was I believe it was South American a South American island but I could be a little wrong on those facts but so the issue is primarily about this this volcano issue and it's just it's only that that Superman is a little bit depowered that the Sandman saga actually comes into play and it continues like this for a few issues where you only get a few panels at most where the sand superman is happens to be flying happens to come around superman and superman says oh i'm getting weaker around him i'm you know what's what's the deal with that and then that's that's essentially it for a few issues he's doing he's trying to do some super feats he's getting he realizes he's he's weaker and he doesn't even he doesn't try to investigate it's just oh i'm I'm weaker when I'm when I'm around that thing, but he doesn't try to investigate what that thing is. So that's kind of I don't know. It, part of it is the writing. I I found as as great of a writer as Denny O'Neill is, and I've read his, the Green Arrow, um, Green Lantern run, his famous run, and that's a really good arc. It's 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 a really good storyline. Um, it definitely is good from a political standpoint and just um from a historical from a politically historical perspective and it it stands well the test of time because there's always a struggle between the left and right political spectrum and so so i think that stands up i don't think the writing in the sandman saga stands up that well i I thought overall the writing was very very cheesy i was very disappointed in the writing in general um just cheesy dialogue and i guess it's par for the course for this for comics of 
comics of this time period silver age silver age early bronze age in general but i thought the writing was just was was a little weak um especially with the great setup the great setup that was issue 233 and so we get a few issues of superman wondering why he's doesn't have as much power as he should and then then things do start to pick up towards the end of the storyline we get we get and i found it really interesting we we get um and it really kicks it up into high gear in issue i believe it's 240 where superman his he is his mental state is kind of going because of everything that's been going on in the sand superman and his he starts to do well first let me back up again for a minute i got issue number 240 i i i, I gotta say one thing is there's definitely some iconic covers that come out of this storyline issues number 238 with Superman crawling. Looks like he's crawling towards the sand Superman. Issue number 240 has an awesome cover with Superman holding the newspaper that says Superman fails while he just has he just looks like a rejected dejected and he just looks he can see the angst on his face that he's failing because his powers are going and it's 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 actually really this issue, issue number 240 where his powers are essentially drained he had an encounter with the sand superman and he actually doesn't he loses essentially all of his powers in this issue and he spends a lot of time questioning himself and one thing i found actually really interesting about this issue really annoying it was i'm pretty sure it was issue 240 where he had lost all of his powers and he people make the claim that superman people one of the problems people have with superman is they think of him as just a brute and he doesn't think as much and that it's batman who has the brains and there's a lot of people who have chips on their shoulders about the way that dc has been sort of seemingly favoring superman or favoring batman in their opinion i actually don't think that that's the opinion that dc holds but a lot of people really seem to have that chip on their shoulder that dc cares more about batman than superman but there's literally a line in issue 240 i think it was 240 where superman says i've never really had i've only ever had to rely on my brute strength now i actually have to think or something i'm paraphrasing um but essentially he makes that claim that he he's never really had to think before and that just kind of shocked me that 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 was actually there that 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 the writers went there that they that they recognized not that they recognize, but that they even made the claim that Superman doesn't have to think; he just uses his powers. And that, if if the media, all of those people who actually do think that Batman's the better, that that Superman's just a dumb brute, here he he himself literally says just that, 
that he's he's never he's only ever had to rely on his brute strength. It was kind of shocking that to have the character himself come out and say that he doesn't consider himself to be a thinker or a problem solver that muscles are all he needs and superman's more than that all of us fans know that um and so some more craziness happens where uh, this character who i did a little bit of research and re and this is the same time period where denny o'neill had done his wonder woman revamp um his failed revamp where he took away her powers as well and made her a karate karate uh karate karate crime fighting woman um the she didn't wear her wonder woman costume anymore she wore like a white jumpsuit and she had a asian mentor named ai ching and it's ai ching who first shows up in this storyline i didn't know he, who he was at first but it once once Diana really starts to get involved, you realize okay, he's a, he's one of her supporting character, one of her supporting characters, and he gets involved and he tries to hypnotize Superman, and Superman's aura comes out of his body, which I don't I don't know, just a lot of I don't know. I felt like this storyline just fell apart at the end just a lot of craziness it, it you learn that the sand creature is actually a shapeless formless creature from the realm of quarm and that the explosion in issue 233 created a crack in the, the crack in reality and and the, the uh, created a um, it, it made it possible for the sand superman to come here from quarm and that actually and so on wikipedia his name's actually quarmer i'm not sure if they actually called him if they ever actually ended up calling the sand superman quarmer in in this arc or not and from my from my, what i read on wikipedia he shows up one more time the sand superman with um captain marvel in, in a in an issue of dc comics presents i believe where superman and cat and Su superman and, and captain marvel have a team up against black adam and quarmer but you, so you learn the origin of Quarmer, the Sand Superman, and then you, and then another rift in reality happens, and another another being from um, Quarm enters or enters our reality or enters our dimension and gets goes into he gets his form into a statue. And yes, I know I'm going all over the place in terms of describing this, but that's how I felt the story was going. I felt the story was kind of just all over the place and really just, I thought the writing just wasn't there. The just, I don't know, I just felt let down by this. Um, as I started to mention earlier, the 
covers for these are pretty cool though issue 240 is a neil adams cover and also oh issue 233 the the um start of the arc is was a neil, was done by neil adams i think i mentioned that um but then 240 is a neil adams cover it's awesome cover of superman standing there while the crowd behind him is mocking him and he's holding the newspaper and says he's failed and then issue 242 has a really cool cover of the duel of the century is um is is what it says the i i believe uh, apologies if I get if I get that wrong, but but essentially it's what it says: Duel of the Century, and you see super, two Superman fighting, and I really think this cover is really cool. But the fight is the fight is a letdown in there too. So that's where the Sand Superman arc reaches its finale, and you, the, I will I will give the storyline credit in in so far as. At the end of the issue, or the middle of the issue, actually, Superman and the Sand Superman, you think they're fighting, and you think that they are just having this devastating fight, and they're equal power now. They each have a third of they each have a third of um of Superman's powers, and so they're equally matched. They they have a third because the other third was in that Superman statue or the statue that I mentioned earlier, the Asian creature statue um, that the other Quarm creature inhabited. So now Sand Superman, Superman, they each have a third of Superman's original power and they're battling and you think that they are just devastating Earth. And it's, it's actually kind of shocking. I will give it that. For a moment, I thought, whoa, they're actually going there. They're, they're, how are they going to come back from this? But then you immediately realize that it was a vision by Ai Cheng to let them know what kind of, you know, destructive destruction they could actually do. And Sand Superman says that it's not worth it. The destruction is not worth it. He decides to, to, leave and super and so then superman and is left with a third of his uh he's he's left without a third of his power so he's depowered and that has got to be one of the most roundabout ways of going about depowering Superman that you could possibly think of. Because that was also part of Julie Schwartz's and Denny O'Neill's goals with this quote-unquote relaunch of Superman, this soft reboot, was to depower him because he gotten really powerful. And he even mentions in the storyline how he used to be able to push around planets like marbles, and you can't do that anymore. And so they wanted to depower him, and but he does. Le- the storyline does end with him being depowered by a third, and or by two thirds. He he's only a third, a third as powerful as he used to be. And that sounds interesting enough, but it didn't last immediately following it i don't know if the sales just weren't there or what was the i i I don't know the deal but um the carrie bates took over as writer 
immediately following this arc. Daniel Neal is off Superman. And they sort of reverted back eventually. Kryptonite came back and Superman's powers would be would he wasn't as as depowered. They sort of disregarded the storyline and that's kind of a shame in terms of even though it wasn't a good storyline, I think I think its goals were lofty enough and necessary enough that they should have stayed because that's the problem with Superman. That's that's the quintessential problem is writers writing good story good stories because when you have a character who can do anything, how do you write a story for him? How do you have a problem for him to solve? And so I completely understand why they why Julie and Denny wanted to do what they set out to accomplish with this arc, but the powers to be just didn't didn't see it that way and i i don't know if the sales just weren't quite there and so then they brought in carrie bates after this and then superman's powers would essentially go back to what they were and so that's kind of it i feel like i've rambled a little bit here but i i don't know it's okay I, I'm glad that I read this storyline because I feel like it is sort of a a big sort of moment for Superman, especially issue 233, which I've gushed about enough. But to my knowledge, this is, this is one of the longest storyline arcs that there was prior to the post-crisis ongoing triangle numbering system. So, I, I I think it is important enough where a Superman fan might want to read it, but it's definitely a letdown in terms of what I was expecting, in terms of the quality that I was expecting. Because I had heard about this Sandman Superman saga, and I just, I just felt a little bit left out, uh, let down. There is a collection out there... Um, there's a, a collection that um, DC put out in 2009 that collects this storyline. And if, if I don't know if it would, after reading it, I don't know if it would be worth my time to pick up. Um, one thing that was that I did really like is a f- towards the end of the run, or towards the end of the arc, some of the, the majority of the arc, the backup features are the um the untold stories of krypton and you those weren't very good in general it was kind of interesting to to find out the very first inhabitants of krypton were named crypt crip and and tan uh, male and female astronauts each from a different civilization and they come to this planet and they have this battle and then you they take off their helmets right at the end and big dramatic fashion and then you learn that their names are Crip and Tan. Cheesy but kind of interesting. But in general the um, Krypton story backup stories were not good. But they did started to have or they did start to have these demand classics at the back of a few of the issues towards the end. Um, that were actually 
pretty decent. They um, one was, and they're and they're reprints from prior from from previous issues from. It it could be anywhere from ten years to twenty years prior to prior to now, but prior to um, when the issue was printed, so in the nineteen seventies. But they had some nineteen fifties Wayne Boring, um, some Wayne some Wayne Boring stories um, art art wise, and I haven't read much of the. Wayne Boring era of Superman, but this made me want to go back and read it. Um, they have a really cool story called Superman's Neighbors, where you learn all about um, sort of the the everyday life of Clark when he's home in his apartment, and the people who live in his apartment building, and how he interacts with them, and how he helps them out, and the one guy who's just, who's suspicious of him, and the sort of little the little the little world that goes on in his apartment building is actually kind of it was actually pretty pretty interesting. So I don't know if those demand classics are printed in the um, the collection. I I, I I probably doubt it, or I I doubt it that they're collected. And the backup stories probably aren't collected at all. Um, and that that collection collecting these this um storylines um called kryptonite nevermore just as the what's on the cover of issue number 233 so i think that wraps it up for the sandman superman saga this um I did, in doing a little bit of research for this, I learned that there was a, in 1992, there was a, um, uh, sort of a post-crisis retelling of this with, done by Walt Simonson, and I'm definitely going to be covering that. I'm going to, either, either for next episode or the episode after that, I'm going to be reading that um, seeing how the modern telling, I mean, it's, it's only 20 years after the original story, so we'll see, um, how it goes, but it's condensed, it's only, it's a, uh, 64 page special, so we'll see how that is versus this, this multi-issue arc that didn't have the material, they didn't have the material to fill it up, you just have a number of filler issues where Superman is, doing something else and then you get one page where it's oh i flew by sans or I, I flew by that thing and my powers are wonky what's up with that and then that's all you get for that issue which i've already harped on a little bit but i don't know it was just a little disappointing i'm as a fan or as as a superman fan i'm glad i read it though all right with that let's move on to the booster gold segment Before we get deep into booster booster territory, that I recognize that I'm I 
please forgive me if I got a million things wrong when I was describing the Superman storyline. It's very late. It's very late here. I tried to record um, after my wife and son go to bed. So it is almost 1 o'clock in the morning. I got to get up in four hours. I don't know. I felt like that um, Superman section that I was just forgetting. I was forgetting aspects of the storyline. And I was like, what? What was happening? And then, so, please forgive any errors and if if the backup wasn't actually called the world of Krypton or um, what or what whatever I said it was the backup there was a Krypton or there was a backup about Krypton we'll leave it at that and there's other there's other I don't know I I feel like my facts might have been off a little t- a little bit on some of the finer details um, but moving on to Oh, and that's also why if I if if it sounds like I'm whispering every now and then, or if I'm just being quieter, I I try to be quieter for my wife and son so they they can sleep and I don't bother them. I'm in a separate room with the door closed, but still, it's late. I want them to get some good sleep while I provide you folks with some entertaining content. Um. So moving on to Booster Gold Volume One, issue number two, and. I got a couple of um, emails regarding the first issue, or the first, last episode covering issue number one, and one of them pointed out, which I had forgot to mention on the episode, was that Booster was wearing a, there was a prominent close-up shot of the Legion of Superheroes ring that Booster has, and how this led to a lot of speculation, along with everything else that raises red flags about boosters where booster actually came from that this was just another one of those wrinkles in terms of oh where did he what's his what's his origin where did he come from and it caused a lot of people to think that he's actually from the 30th century and somehow affiliated or associated with the legion or some or something along those lines or how did he actually get this legion flight ring so i wanted to mention that because i had that was that's a huge piece of the mystery of boosters boosters origin is that legion flight ring so this issue we have it picks up right where the last issue ended and booster had well before we go into the recap let's talk about the cover so this cover has booster fighting Blackguard and Mind Dancer, the new villain introduced right at the end of the last issue. And the caption on the issue or the cover reads, Enter Mind Dancer, enter madness. Can Booster defeat her and Blackguard before Skeets is destroyed? And you see Booster fighting Blackguard and Mind Dancer and Skeets is there in the midst and he's got a huge hole blown in him and he's smoking and at this point I have to wonder how much people actually care about Skeets because he's he's introduced in the first issue along with Booster and everybody but do you really care about this character this um, machine um here in issue number two to actually care if this if this uh superhero's sidekick mechanical sidekick gets destroyed i don't know 
I mean, we're I'm reading it, and I'm very fond of Skeets, but I have a lot of issues behind me where I've read about Skeets and have that and know his and are quite fond of his and Booster's relationship and their friendship. So it actually means something if Skeets is in danger, but I don't know if it does at the second issue. Maybe it does. Maybe people get attached that quickly to him. But I don't. I I I question how big of a deal people actually. You know, are there people who actually see that cover on the stands and were like, "Whoa, Skeets is in trouble." I mean, it's only issue number two. How much does Skeets actually play into this? But so we'll get right into the issue recap. The issue itself is titled "Cold Redemption," and as always, it's written and drawn by none other than the awesome Dan Jurgens. And it starts off with Booster on the ground after he was after his um he got shot down from Mind Dancer's uh blast last issue. And it, it's there's a lot of reporters and there's a lot of people questioning how what kind of a hero booster is now that he's been defeated and now that he's been defeated and he lost the guidance system that he that blackguard had stole last issue and booster got back from him but then black but then mind dancer used her energy blast and took the guidance system from booster and he's being ridiculed by everyone it's actually um very reminiscent it's it's funny because this is very reminiscent of what happens in superman 240 which i was just talking about with the sandman saga where people are just mean to these superheroes when they don't have their powers or they're not at the top of their game or not even or not even not at the top of their game they just have a setback or a fail these people turn on them like a dime people were jerks to superman and in 240 about and it's it's like they are ungrateful brats that they doesn't matter what this guy's done for him in the past if he's having difficulty now forget him he's nothing and that's actually a really inter that is sort of an interesting dynamic but it's also very annoying it annoyed the hell out of me in the superman in the sandman saga because it seemed like people just turned on superman so quickly they don't they didn't care i don't it, it just felt very out of character for the, the citizens of metropolis and again here we have citizens of metropolis being complete jerks to booster he gets he gets uh, energy blasted at him and he the villain gets away once and these people turn on him so quickly and they ridicule him and they're you know how much of a hero are you now that you've been defeated and it's kind of over the top it was it although not as bad as it was in the sandman saga for superman and they even there's even a quote here that he's making a mockery of a real hero I don't know what it says when failure, not even failure, just because I was going to say, I don't know what it says when if failure isn't, if if a person isn't allowed to fail and still be worth something, um, if you're not on top, you're nothing. It's sort of a bad message, I think. 
that's the citizens are portraying here and it doesn't matter your intentions or that you tried it's hey you failed you are a washout you're nothing you're lower than nothing that's was the sense people it was it it was kind of crazy um it took me by surprise just how much I mean, he was kind of blindsided by Mind Dancer in the previous issue. He was kind of blindsided by this blast. And everybody says how much of a failure is he is now and mockery of a real hero. Um, back at... I, don't, I am going to try to pronounce this. And I, I'm going to use the same pronunciation or attempt to use the same pronunciation from now on. But um, Relu Towers the Relu Towers where Booster Gold's um corporate corporate offices are. Um so back back at those towers, Dirk is really pissed off at Booster's failure. And the misogynistic side of Dirk comes out and he's you know, he can't believe Booster's had he's been defeated and by a woman no less. So misogynistic. The first time I read this volume, volume one, I really remember liking Dirk. But after reading issue one for last episode and reading issue two, when am I going to start to like Dirk again? Because he's pretty much a dick. Um, so far, he's a mis- he's a misogynistic a hole um, to Trixie, and you know that he doesn't. He you can just tell that he doesn't respect women just by the you know just the the way that he treats Trixie in the first issue and you know here he it's it's not only is he defeated but it's it's worse because he was defeated by a woman um I don't know that was kind of a that was something that I took note of and so I'm waiting to see when I actually am going to start to like Dirk because I did I remember liking him when I first time I read this volume and it really annoyed me what happens at the end of the volume um with the Manhunters and I'll and I'll I'll get there so I don't need to go over it but there's you know you find out some stuff about Dirk that's changes the way you think about him and I was was really annoyed at what they did because I liked this character and I liked this supporting character but so far two issues in in the reread and I have yet to find anything that I like about him but you know it sets him up as a a slimy a slimy sleazebally business well Maybe not so slime bally, sleaze bally, but he's definitely an eighties an eighties douchebag, I'd say that. Um and so then we get a scene where Mind Dancer lands in Centennial Park and goes into a secret bunker and you learn that her employer that she's a that she is a hired gun and that her current employer, the thousand asks her to go free Blackguard because he's in jail from what happened in the previous issue. And then Booster goes back to Rylu Towers and he's berated by Dirk again and how much of a loser he is and he can't, he shouldn't fail. And he was, Booster came to, Booster came to him and that and just the typical typical Dirk douchebagness and we you know Dirk 
Dirk just really just really brings home the point that Booster's the one that came to him and asked him to make him a star, but he can't make him a star with this sort of when with with this sort of bad PR. Um and but but Booster puts him in his place. He says, you know, you work for me. You work for me and and that that was sort of made me happy in terms of how much of how much you know Dirk was really just being being a real a hole to Booster and just about the whole situation and Booster puts him in his place so it was good and then we learned that Booster is actually upset because he cares and so that's the that's one of the first signs in that we that that Booster's upset that he at himself and he's upset at the situation because because he does care and he isn't just all about corporate um money making and his merchandising and marketing himself which is how he really comes off in issue one and so you really start to get the crack in his facade in this issue and he has a good chat with skeets at his apartment and his apartment is nice. I mean, I guess Dirk really is getting him that mad money because he's got a nice apartment. And he has a good conversation with Skeets. And they discuss getting the guidance system back. And Skeets lets Booster know that from the historical banks that Blackguard's role, Blackguard's role in history is very minimal, but that... Mind Dancer is actually sort of a prominent, prominent villain, prominent bad guy in the in in the in the history banks, the historical banks, and she's a notable villain. I would say that history has shown us comic readers that that's actually not the case. What was the last time that we ever encountered Mind Dancer? Since we haven't really. Let me get another. Let me get a scene with a shrouded woman who we don't know who this is and she can we don't know who this person is and she confronts a man in um on the street and and remarks and she asks him um and and she they they seem to have a history and she asks this guy are are they back in business again and he lets her know that they are but that they call themselves the thousand now but we don't us readers don't even know who she's talking about, but um, apparently they're back in business and they're calling themselves the Thousand. Then a gang shows up and she throws a smoke pellet down or has a fight with this gang and beats him up and then runs off. And we don't know quite what's going on and a little foreshadowing um, in terms of in terms of what's going to happen in later issues. But here, it, it, there isn't much that's there isn't much to glean from that except that the thousand are possibly more than you might think they are um and then then you get a scene with booster filming a commercial for this cereal called flakies which i i I thought was pretty funny i thought it was a pretty funny funny scene you know the classic these the cereal's great it's awesome chewing it up and then as soon as the camera stops rolling spits it out um and it's in this scene that we learn that the creative that Booster's creative director 
um, lets him know that his popularity is plummeting. Um, then we get Skip Andrews from Blaze Comics, who we met in issue number one, comes and talks to Dirk about more about the comic and getting a comic based on Booster, and so there's a little bit of back and forth there discussing that. And then, then we get Blackguard and Mind Dancer breaking out of prison, and I thought this was a little confusing because it's. It, I thought this was this was confusing the way it played out because it looks like you you see them break out, you see the wall break, or at least it seems like they're breaking out of prison. But they happen to be, but they're, but they're in, the, but they end up, they break right into the same room as to where everybody else is, to where Booster is, and and. So it makes it seem that like that they're breaking out of prison and simultaneously showing up where Booster is. So I thought for a minute, oh, is Booster at the prison already? But he, I don't think he was. And so it was just um, sort of sort of some weird, sort of some weird um, location stuff that was going on there was a little confusing to me. Um, and... and they, then we get the scenes so in the middle of this fight we get a scene with the shrouded businessmen from issue number one again trying to talk about the downfall of booster and they can't identify booster by his fingerprints they don't know who he is and it's as if he never existed and you can clearly tell they have some sinister plans for booster and bad things that they are plotting bad things against our hero so while this is going on booster and blackguard are fighting and then booster defeats blackguard pretty easily in a few panels it was surprising how easy he seems to beat him here he just some punches and then he i don't know it's kind of funny after the fight they had last issue how easy he he uh he takes him out and then you get a scene where Again, I, I feel like the blocking was a little confusing in terms of exactly what happened here, but Blackguard seems to shoot some sort of green energy from his hand, from his hand, and, and it sort of flies around and it hits Skeets, and it looks like Skeets explodes. And then that's our big cliffhanger. So it's kind of a dramatic cliffhanger. Um, so that's that wraps up this issue. So thoughts on issue number two. Oh, before we thoughts on issue number two, the issue wrap ends with um, the booster gold letter column. And since this is issue number two, they don't have any letters from actual fans yet. So this issue, issue's column is written by Dan Jurgens himself. And he talks about um, the the lunch meeting that he had with Dick, Dick Giordano where he pitched booster to him and so we get a little bit of the origin more of the origin of the concept of booster so that was that was kind of interesting and then he asked the fans to write in and with uh proposals for the what they should name the letter column and we'll find out what they name it in next issue i believe um so thoughts on this issue in general, it was a good issue. I enjoyed it. One thing that I really like, well, one thing that I really like is Jurgens does a great job of planting seeds of storylines that of things that'll come to fruition later. The the 
one pa- the one page of the shrouded woman. You don't know what's going on, but it's interesting. She comes in. Who's the thousand? And then she's gone again. With and you're left wondering, well, who is that? And then you get the shrouded businessmen who are plotting plotting against Booster. There's there's great setup. Jurgens does a great job of setting up the mysteries, and I think that that goes a long way to make people want to come back for future issues. Uh, find out about this mystery that they were introduced to in this in in in, in the issue and and Jurgens also does great cliffhangers the end of last issue booster was blasted out of the sky and then um this issue skeets is blasted and it looks like skeets has been blown up and very good cliffhangers i think that really make you want to turn that next page read that next issue and i think those are all those are all really good things to make a storyline really fun and engaging, and you're not just plodding along. There's there's intrigue and mystery and and things that are all, all, along with Booster and what's going on with Booster, and um, it, it just makes for really compelling a, a, a compelling read, I think. Um, the other thing again in this issue is we see Booster's cape, that stupid stupid cape shows up again i don't know when i forget when it's done away with for good um i'm pretty sure it's in this volume in volume one in these 25 issues so um but the the cape and i don't understand the point of the cape really because jurgens does jurgens i don't know it seems like the superhero trope is that superheroes have capes so he, he gave booster a cape but he recognizes the absurdity of the way it looks, it just doesn't look right on Booster. So when Booster goes into battle or he goes into a fight, he has one panel where the cape's flying off of him. And it's kind of like he wants to have his cake and eat it too. He, he want I don't know, maybe he's just trying out, you know, maybe he's experimenting himself. Maybe Jurgens is, you know, how do I, how do I think the cape works on Booster? Do I think it works? Do I think it doesn't work? Um, clearly he comes to a realization at some point that it doesn't work because Booster just stops wearing it all together. But I don't know. Part of it too is the shape of the cape. It just is kind of, this kind of ridiculous yellow cape, yellow gold cape that he has. Um, the other thing, yeah. So I I guess those are my thoughts on this issue. Um, the the other great mystery that is brought up here is who's the thousand? What is this thousand? You know, that relates back to the woman and who's a shrouded woman who is asking about the thousand. Clearly, we know there's more than we know about them. And so that's just, again, more great setup. And we get, as I've mentioned, we get Dirk being a jerk. Dirk being a jerk. It rhymes. Um, so I guess that wraps up issue number issue number two for Booster. Good issue. I... I would say it's a good issue. Um, looking forward to issue three. Will Skeet survive? I don't know. I don't know. So with that, I realized after I finished up last episode that I didn't actually give any kind of contact information in the episode at all, I don't think. So you can reach me at blue blue gold podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Blue Gold Podcast. 
Although I'm not too active right now. I need to get more active on that. Um, actually, to be I need to get active at all. I don't, I don't think I've tweeted at all from that from that handle. But you can follow me at Blue Gold Podcast. And please leave me a review on iTunes um, or Stitcher, either, which, however you would like to. Or shoot me an email. Shoot me an email. Um, and I recognize that one critique. I'm already I'm a critic of myself because I recognize that I'm rambling on this podcast. I ramble. It's I have to get used to doing a podcast by myself because it's a different. It's it's different. You have to really be organized. To you have to be really organized. I think to make it really good and engaging. And I don't think I'm quite there yet. I think. My thoughts are still a little bit all over the place. I have notes, but once I just get talking, you get off and you lose your place in your notes and you get a little flustered and you're, where was I? And then that leads that leads back to, you know, I think maybe I got a fact wrong, and, and but I'm not sure. I don't have the comic right in front of me to look that up. And I don't know. It just, it's just, it's different. But this podcast is a, it's a, it's, it's a product of love. And so if I get, if I mess up, if I, if I, if I make a mistake, I get a fact wrong, eh, oh well, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be too educational here, you know, I, I, I do want to be correct, I don't want to give any, you know, talk about any, any information that's wrong, but if, if I got it wrong, that just means that I, it's wrong in my mind, I'm not giving out bad information, I just am, forgetting a fact or i'm just you know it's might be that i just got a little bit of something wrong in my head i don't know see i'm rambling again it's 1 30 in the morning um but if you like the episode although for some reason i don't know this podcast is such a labor of love so if you actually do like the episode if you like this podcast let me know that too i mean because i'm actually going to go on the assumption that most people will probably find this very annoying because I don't I think this podcast could be a little bit more cohesive that's what I'm going to try to work on it's going to be my goal is to make this podcast a little bit more cohesive and organized because I feel like I'm off the rails a little bit it's it's fun I enjoy doing it but I I, I recognize as a listener you you got to be like Danny you are all over the place um what is going on um but on that high note, I will leave you for next time. And as I mentioned, next time we're going to be talking about. I'm either going to be so the booster, the booster section is locked in stone. I'm talking about Booster Gold Volume One, Issue Three next time. But Superman is a little up in the air. It's either going to be the Walt Simonson Su- Su- Sandman Superman special that I mentioned from 1992, the 64-page special, or I might be coming covering the Krypton Man storyline. Um, it, that's a storyline that I haven't read. I'm, I haven't read, I, I've read the stories, I've, I've read the bookends to that, the, the exile storyline, and, well, see, I'm, oh my god, I just need to go to bed. This, this is engaging radio, folks. No, I, I apologize, I'm getting things wrong, but, I've read the Exile storyline, but I haven't read. So I read the where Superman gets the Eradicator, but I haven't actually read how it affects him. So I haven't read that Krypton Man storyline, and I think that that's what I want to dive into either 
for next episode or the episode after that. So it's going to be one of those two. Is And then the, the withdrawal one I don't do will be the f- episode after that. So I have the next two Superman episodes laid out. All right, everybody. See you next time.